This program is sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Zion's sake, I'll not hold my peace. Welcome to For Zion's Sake. Isaiah 62.1 is taken directly out of the Hebrew Scriptures when the prophet Isaiah declared, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet, until her righteousness goes forth like brightness, and her salvation like a torch that is burning. Your hosts for the program are Shelley and June Volk, Jewish believers burdened to see Jew and Gentile become one. Believers strengthened in their faith and for their Jewish kinsmen to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. Bless the Lord and welcome to For Zion's Sake. Thank you for joining us. We're the Volks. My name is Shelley. And my name is June. Hi, everyone. It's good to be with you and we're continuing a theme that we started on Monday and we titled this week's messages, I Thought But Now I Know. And the issue is how do we get from just thinking about something or having thoughts about something to the place where we could say, I know, but now I know. We spoke about the difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man, and how God's thoughts and ways are so much higher than ours, and how the foolishness of God is wiser than all men. And those scriptures that we used are First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, 27, and chapter 3, verse 19. Amen, Junie. It's good. And then we went to uh, the issue of trusting in ourselves versus trusting in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Junie also read from Isaiah 55, 8, and 9, where God's word, where Isaiah wrote that God's thoughts are so much higher and God's ways are so much higher than ours that we must come into the knowledge of God and live by his wisdom and not by man's thoughts. And in Isaiah 55, it talks about the heavens being so high above the earth. That's how high God's thoughts are above our thoughts and his ways above our ways. So we can just um, have a sense in our being that we need to find the mind of the Messiah and the heart of God that we might live in him. Amen. And the theme, as I said, is going from my thought to now I know. And we spoke about how this is a a pattern throughout scriptures. In Deuteronomy 4, we read that the commandments said, obedience of the commandments will bring understanding. In Matthew 7, 21, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. So the doing of God's word and the obedience to God's words is the, the link to come to the knowledge of God. And we need to see this and emphasize it in our lives because it's a battle in the mind every day. And though we're using many Old Testament scriptures because if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do, it, it says in the Psalms. In John seven sixteen and 17, we see that Jesus said, My teaching is not mine, but he who sent me. If any man is willing to do his will, meaning his father's will, he shall know of the teaching, whether it is of God or 
or whether it is from myself. And so Jesus himself taught that first, if we do what the word of God says, what the father in heaven says, then we will know. That's the key, Junie. If we are willing to do, then we will know. Now we want to go right to Second Kings chapter 5, because this portion of Scripture really validates what we're saying, because we're taking the Word of God and lifting it up to a place that we need to obey it. Second Kings chapter 5, I'm going to read the first 14 verses, and this is the story of Naaman. Now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master and highly respected, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. Now the Arameans had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl who was from the land of Israel. Then the king of Aram said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothes. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now, as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And it came about when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, Am I a god to kill and to make alive, that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. And it happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he he sent word to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Listen to those words. Now let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots, stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was furious, went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Junie, maybe we could stop there and just get the picture of Naaman, a valiant warrior, a powerful man, But he was a leper, and he was a man of distinction, a man of power. Can you you just get the picture of this uh, very proud man coming to the God of Israel, to one of his prophets, to seek help? And you know, Shelley, I think it's in all of us that if we're um, uh, somehow important in an area, whether it's in our profession or in our personal life, and we go someplace We're waiting to be received properly. And here, Naaman, in his pride, was really disappointed. And we see in Proverbs 11, verse 2, when pride comes, then comes dishonor. But the humble, but with the humble, is wisdom. So we need to see that unless there's a transformation in our life, we'll be just like Naaman. Junie, also following through that, and it's so important, in Proverbs twenty nine twenty three, it says, A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. 
again, when we have position, when we have power, when we have finances, we think we can rule, but we need to see, we need to be humbled and come under the guidance and wisdom of God. And also in Proverbs fourteen twelve, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So we need to see that pride, our own thoughts, our opinions, hinder obedience to the word of God. And remember, we read uh, in this portion of scripture, Naaman said, I thought, I thought. And we need to see that a transition is going to take place again in verse 11. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, I thought. Verse 12, he goes on to say, are not Abana and Parfa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. He was he was fed up. He didn't want to lower himself to go into the river Jordan to be healed. And verse 13, look what happens. Then it says, Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? Chapter 5 and Second Kings, verse 14. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Do you see the tremendous transition that took place in Naaman? He thought that this healing should come one way, but then he had to be humbled. He had to come down and dip in the river Jordan, and then his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was made clean. And can you just picture Shelley? He had to dunk seven times. And so the first time he came up, he was probably still a leper, wondering how foolish is this? And the second time and the third time. And you know, in our own lives, Shelley, when the Lord speaks to us sovereignly to do something that we don't understand, or the Word of God teaches us something that we uh, don't understand, when we do it, when we obey it, we'll be just like Naaman. And by the time Naaman dunked the seventh time and he was clean, his life was changed, and he saw and understood that the God of Israel was the only God, and he recognized that God had touched him, and he was made whole. He was no longer a leper. And so for you and me, Shelley, when we obey the word of God and we listen for the voice of God, we too will be transformed from the inside out. Amen, Junie. And then the outside will be a reflection of the inside. And I don't believe, Junie, that the outward appearance of uh, Naaman, where it says his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean, until something was taking place in the inner man. He had to be humbled. And Junie, you said he had to dip seven times. What happened the first six times when nothing was done? But here's the link, and this is the message that we're speaking about this week. We need to go from where Naaman was, verse 11 in Second Kings 5. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought. The transition took place when he was willing, as John seven sixteen and 17 say, If you are willing to do his will, you shall know. Okay? Naaman humbled himself. He was willing to dip seven times in the river Jordan. And then look what Second Kings 5, verse 15 says. 
when he returned to the man of God with all his company and came and stood before him, he said, Behold, now I know. That's the key. Obedience brought him from his own thoughts to knowing. Listen to that whole verse. When he returned to the man of God with all his company and came and stood before him, he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Can we grasp the enormity of that statement? How did it happen? He obeyed the word of God, and he went from his own thoughts to knowing that this was the only true God. And you know, the king that um, Naaman approached about healing him tore his clothes, Shelley. He said, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy, but consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. And Elisha was the one who he was seeking a quarrel against. And Elisha said, uh, the man of God heard of the king of uh, Israel and how he had torn his clothes. And he sent a word to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel and how important that we know the people of God. Amen. We'll continue this tomorrow. Father, we pray that this word is speaking to all the hearts of those who are hearing it, that we need to go from thinking to knowing and knowing intimately the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. By obeying. Amen. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this evening. If you would like to get in touch with Shelley and June, you can write to them at P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85252. That's P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85252. And you can also contact them on their website, ShelleyAndJuneVolk.com. That's ShelleyAndJuneVolk.com. Until next time, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This program was sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund.